the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. During the summer months, members of our church volunteer to lead the Thursday night Christian growth meeting. This week, Ken leads us into a study into repentance. What can we learn from the prodigal son? The main reading is Luke chapter 15. I thank um, all who are taking uh, part in this, um, Nick and Mike and mm. Tim and, and the ladies as well. Um, it's, it's hard to put things together, you know, you might know the scripture as well, but bringing a message across mm. is pretty hard. Um, Mike said we must be ready, we're in the last times, you know, and Nick said we should fear the Lord, and they do it without grumbling. <laughs> oh, this is about our hearts, you know, repentance, you know. Um, when I will, uh, Mitch preached that about uh, uh, the two sons, um, the prodigal son and the son who stayed at home, it touched my heart. Mm. So I'm preaching on this tonight, and we are reading from Luke 15. When the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him, the Pharisees and the teachers all lamented, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Mm. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home, then he calls his friends and neighbours together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep, Seven. I tell you that the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Fifteen. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Seventeen. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough uh, and spare that I perish with hunger? And I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. And no longer worthy to the gorgeous son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Mm. So he got up and went to his father. Mm. But 
But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this son of mine was dead, and is now alive again. He was lost, and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. 28. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. 29. Years. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment uh, at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry of my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who, helped, who has devoured your livestock with harlots, you killed the father calf for him. And he says unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. Mm -hmm. He was lost and is found. Repentance in the church. Do we see a lot of it going on these days? You know, um, this is all about it. Um, you see Daniel praying for the nation. You know, he, he was part of the church. He was part of God. You know, but. He had a repentant heart as well, you know. And also Nehemiah and Ezra. Um, what is the meaning of repentance? What does it mean to repent of sin? Webster's New World College Dictionary defines repentant as a repentant or being penitent, feeling of sorrow, especially for wrongdoings. Compunction and contrition and remorse. Repentance is also known as a change of mind, a turning away, returning to God, turning away from sins. Repentance in Christianity means a sincere turning in both the mind and in the heart. From self to God, it involves a change of mind that leads to action, the turning away from a sinful course mm -hmm. to God. Wonderful. Repentance in its fullest sense as a, a complete change of turning around involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the future. Mm -hmm. uh, repentance in the Bible, in a biblical content text, uh, repentance is recognizing that your sin is an offense mm. to God. Repentance can be shallow, such as the remorse we feel because of fear of punishment, like Cain. And our first reading is 
Genesis 4, 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Mm-hmm. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Mm-hmm. And he said, What hast thou done? Mm-hmm. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me mm-hmm. from the ground. Mm-hmm. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which thou hast, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from my hand. Mm-hmm. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Mm-hmm. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the earth, from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay. Yes, is that fear? Is that repentance fear of punishment? Well, I don't think so. Um, it couldn't be, or it could be deep, such as realizing how much. Our sin costs Jesus Christ, and our saving grace washes us clean, like the conversion of Paul. Calls for repentance are found throughout the whole Testament, such as Exegol 18, verse 30 to 32. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offences, then sin will not sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offences you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. people of Israel, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Yes, he said. Each of you, while in the house of Israel, as an whole, was guilty. God's judgment would be just an individual. He said, repent, get a new heart. God takes no pleasure. In verse 23, he says, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord? Rather, I am not pleased. When they turn from their ways and live, God definitely wants us to live. He wants to give us life through Jesus Christ. God's basic desire for all people is summed up in this one word live. He wants to give us life. In a sequel, 18, 23, 24, it says, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? No way, declares the Sovereign Lord, no way. Rather, I am not pleased when they turn from their ways and live. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits the sins and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, they will live. None of the righteousness things that person has done will be remembered. When our sins are forgiven, he wipes it off the slate. He will not remember those sins. It's because of the unfaithfulness they are guilty of, and because of sins they have committed. They will die. Further on in verse 32, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, so repent and live. Number three, Second Peter, chapter three. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not notwithstanding anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yes, we should all come to repentance. Um, Mike spoke about we should be all ready, you know, and the Lord is coming soon. This prophetic call for repentance is a loving cry for men and women to return to dependence on our God. Or sees 6, chapter 6. Yes, 6 verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Come, let us return to the Lord. Before Jesus began his earthly ministry, John the Baptist, Baptist preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus also called for repentance. The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. After the resurrection, the apostles continued to call sinners to repentance. Mm-hmm. Peter preached to the unsaved men of Israel. Uh, number five, Acts three. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Whom the heaven must receive unto the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Hallelujah. Repentance is an essential part of salvation, requiring a turning away from sin, road like to a life characterized by obedience to our God. The Holy Spirit leads a person to repent. But repentance itself cannot be seen as a good work that adds to our salvation. The Bible states that people are saved by faith alone. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. It is by grace you be saved through faith. Mm-hmm. This is not yet from yourselves. It no. is a gift of God, not by works, <coughs> so that no one can boast. No. Yes, however, there can be no faith in Christ without repentance, and no repentance without faith. The two are inseparable. So we need to repent, or there's consequences. Uh, Luke 3, verse 8 to 9, number 7. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Mm-hmm. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. <laughs> For he saith to you that God is able of these things, yeah. stones, sorry, to rise up children unto Abraham. Yeah. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Mm-hmm. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit mm-hmm. is hewn down and cast into the fire. Bless God. Yes, we've got to be careful. The axe is already at the root. Of that tree. A symbolic way of saying that judgment is near those who give no evidence of repentance. Fire symbolizes of divine judgment. 
In Matthew 13, 42, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is the eternal fire. If five out of seven churches in Revelation had to repent of their sins, so we must humble ourselves before God and be ever ready to ask for forgiveness of our sins. This is Luke 15. A crowd started around Jesus, we are told. There were tax collectors, sinners, and also the Pharisees and teachers of the law who was muttering. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus ran off three parables in this chapter about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The lost sheep was summed up like this. Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And the lost coin was summed up in this way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But the last parable has a twist in it. He turns his parable on the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws, the ones who think they are doing God's work and think they are saved by their own righteousness, <laughs> believing they are the church of God. The first part of this third parable was about the wayward son who took his inheritance and left his father. We might call him a backslider, one who is now lost to the world, dead to God. But after losing everything and reaching the lowest part of his life, he now realised that he was better off with his father. He finally came to his senses and made a path back home. Oh, his father never lost faith in this younger son, probably praying and believing that he would one day return. Yes, one day. Um, I, my little testimony, I come to the church. Uh, in my youth, about um, 12 years old, and I used to go to Orem Chapel, and I believed in God, but I did not um, think Jesus was the answer, you know. But I backslid and I went my own way um, after um, leaving school and that. And it took me over years and years, 48, I came to realize that Jesus is Lord. Dave was preaching. I come to church because my wife um, was baptized, she came first, and I was attending now and again, you know, and Dave spoke to my heart, that's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, my sins. So I repented and um, returned to the Lord. Yes, the Father's um, 
Faith was strong. He kept watch, waiting for that day. His prayer would be answered. The day came. He was so overjoyed to see his son that he could not wait for him and ran to meet him. What a great father we serve. His arms are always stretched out wide and running to receive us. What a great love he has for us. He was ready to forgive the son's sins and to accept him back into his family. The son had such a change of heart. He said, I'm going home. I'm going to make things right. I have sinned against God and against my father. I will be his servant for the rest of my life. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve acceptance. I am not worthy to be his son, but I'm willing to be his servant. What a change of heart. That's true repentance. He must have thought what Paul thought, I am the chief of sinners. His father did not hesitate to reinstate him back into the family. He said, quick, bring the best robe, the ring, the sandals, put them on him, kill the fatty car, let's cele celebrate, let's have a feast, let's party. My son no longer dead, he is so alive, no longer lost, but now found. What a welcome the father had uh, mercy on this son. He loved him so much. But we must not forget there was two sons in this story. The wayward son who was lost and now found, and the son who stayed at home. This elder son was also lost in the father's house, like the lost coin, which also was lost in the house. We read about him in verse 25. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field, so busy doing his own thing, he did not know what was going on in his own house. It must have taken the father a long time to kill that fatty car and invite people to celebrate his son's homecoming. But the elder son was nowhere to be seen. But when he eventually came near the house, he heard music and dancing. The party was on and in full swing, but no one has invited him yet. This tested the attitude towards the father, towards the younger brother. He had the privilege to go in the house and celebrate with his father. Of his, the homecoming of his brother, but he asked the servant, what's going on? The servant told him, your brother is home and your father has killed the fatty car because your brother is back safe. The elder brother was so angry, he, free, he refused to go in. Uh, the next reading, Matthew 5. Verses 21 to 22. 
You hear that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. For I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to a brother, Raka, shall be in danger of, uh, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Yes, in my church life, I have seen people angry, you know, about other brothers. Being angry to a brother or sister without cause. Raka meaning an Aramaic term of contempt. Contempt meaning the state of being despised, dishonoured, disgraced. And hat showing such disrespect. This was the older brother who stayed at home. Yes, the elder brother represented the attitude of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who was running the church. Luke 28 said his father went out to plead with him, but like the Pharisees and teachers of the law who muttered this man, meaning Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them, the elder brother refused to go in and celebrate and eat with them. He did not acknowledge his father. All he said was, look, all these years, here it comes, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never, never give me a coat so I could celebrate with my friends. Sounds like he never acknowledged him as father, only recognised him as his master and him, himself as a slave. Slave takes orders, but the son will ask for things. We all know that because we have children and when they ask, uh, we don't use the um, say no, but some things we do. It's mostly my daughter and my son. <laughs> if you don't ask, how, how can you receive? If you don't pray, you are not communicating with the Father. So along the way, why didn't he ask his father that he could celebrate with his sons? He didn't ask. The elder son complained and saying, what kind of father are you? You have given your son, not acknowledging him as his brother, a fatty car that you have not even offered me a goat. He was very bitter also, jealous that he did not have any of this treatment. Though the father explained and give, give him a second chance to come in and eat with them, he refused. There'd be a great banquet. There'd be a great banquet in heaven one day, and I pray in none of us in this church or the churches around our nation will be absent. Yes, it's easy to criticise others, other people living in sin without looking at ourselves. How do I compare to these two brothers? Next reading, Psalm 84, verses 1 to 2 
and jump the 10 to 12. The director of music, according to Gittas of the son of Koran, a psalm, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out the living God. Better is one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he without from those who walk his blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in him. Yes, hallelujah. The psalmist is expressing a yearning for fellowship <coughs> with God. He's humbling himself before God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. The elder son was so like the Pharisees. His attitude before his father and his brother was anger. Became disobedient. He was jealous. Bitterness was there. He felt rejected. And he had a lot of resentment for what an attitude for this one who was supposed to be part of the church. He was um, with the Father all along, and his attitude with the Father was so wrong. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Yes, the eldest son was all of himself, not of God. We are left on the edge of the cliff. Did he change his mindset and go in and celebrate with a father or brother? We are not told. Jesus issued one of his harshest rebukes to Peter, the disciple who was destined to become a leader in the church. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offence to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. <coughs> this describes the hell of sin. But the great thing is that when you mess up, the same grace that restored Peter will be there for you too. Hallelujah. <coughs> the father said to the elder son, everything I have is yours. He did not have to work for it. All he had to do was to receive it. It's all given to you out of his love. But I see this... Um, Elderson, he um, worked, you know, um, his socks off probably, uh, knowing one day all this will be his. He wanted to make it right and prosper, you know. The father's love, the father loved both brothers. The parable shows a contrast between self-centered acuteness of the Pharisees who fail to understand God's love and his joy over the repentance of one sinner. 
<coughs> our God loves everyone. He does not want anyone to perish. He does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He said, I am pleased when they turn from their wicked ways and live. Luke 18, 9-14, number 11. <clears throat> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yes, the Pharisees and tax collectors, two men went up to pray. This could also represent the two brothers. The younger son asked him for mercy, mm -hmm. as the tax collector did. He does not plead his good works, as the Pharisees did, or the older brother did, but asks for mercy in forgiveness of his sins. Both the younger son and, and tax collector was justified before God. God reckoned him to be righteous. Their sins were forgiven and was credited with righteousness, not their own, like the Pharisees and their older son, but the righteousness that comes from God. We must truly humble ourselves before God. One Peter Chapter 5, number 12. Young men, in the same way, be submitted to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourself with humanity toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace will call you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. This really sums it all up. When you come to a mighty God, our Father, because we cannot do everything, we come to the Father in humility. God opposes the proud and shows favour to the humble. The Father is always right in what he is doing. We are incapable hands when we are directed by him. Mm -hmm. 1 Peter 5.10-11 says, 
the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore you. Make you strong, he will make you steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. I love this song. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. Yes, I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. We serve an holy God. His kingdom is a kingdom of pure love. He does not want to pollute it with the sins of men. That's why Jesus Christ stepped down to earth to take our place. He ransomed his self for us. This song goes on to say, He took my sins, he took my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and he suffered there and died alone. Why do people backslide? Why are people who come to church who are still not saved, like the Helderson? They do not know the Father's love, how much he had to give up to receive you. His beloved son, it took the younger son to it pit bottom and have a different mindset and return to realize the Father's love and forgiveness for him. Yes, we live in the last days. We should be ready. Fear the Lord is the wisdom of God. What's the benefit if we gain the whole world but lose, it, lose our soul? We forfeit it. Do everything without grumbling, as Dave always preaches. Because his son has set us free, we don't deserve forgiveness. We cannot work for it. It is all done by the grace of our Father. He loves you very much, and he don't want any of us to perish. His word says he'd be pleased if we all live. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.